0: The voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice
1: of dismay, the voice of Davo. Well, how about those Royals? The first winning series of the year as they take three out of four from the Detroit Tigers. And it's Davo. Glad you're along for another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation, where we are joined like we always are on the dish. By Clubhouse Conversation, Royals insider Jake Lutz, not to be confused with Jake Junis, who missed a hell of a game today. But Jake, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. It's good to finally see some uh, some winning baseball the last week or so.
1: Yeah, it's been actually you know quite a bit of fun, even going back to that Boston series, Jake, since we last spoke. You know, the Royals lost that series, but... I mean, there are some competitive baseball games in that series. And, you know, how about that middle game with all the back and forth and the extra innings fun? I mean, that, you know, you kind of just have to live in the moment sometimes and throw out the rebuild and throw out that we're not in 2015 anymore, Jake. But that was quite the game, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, definitely the most entertaining game of the year so far. And, it, you know, they, they looked like a legitimate baseball team that night, which is, I think is kind of what we've been was lacking the first three weeks. There just was no offense really at all. And the bullpen was so bad that it was just frustrating to watch. But at least the last two weeks, we've seen a much better product on the field, especially since Gordo and Salvi came back, and it's starting to show finally in the win-loss column.
1: And I was going to say, and we talked about before the year, both of us had the Royals around 75 wins. And that was assuming Nate Carnes was still a starter. That was assuming Salvi was still healthy. We we recorded that before both of those two things popped. But, you know, Uh I think this is more of the team we expected. We we talked in our last, uh, you know, clubhouse conversation dish here that we were about to get Salvi back and Gordon back and how much that would help lengthen this lineup. But not only that, but. You know, and, and this is no no knock on Drew Butera or Cam Gallagher, but Salvi is the man as far as your team leader. He is essentially the old Mike Sweeney C. If there was a C on this team, it'd be either him or Gordo at this point. He's one of your leaders. He's behind the behind the dish and his presence I don't think even defensively and handling a pitching staff can be understated enough. Agree?
0: Oh yeah. So I mean having Salvi back it it was noticeable, you know of this team and, not, and we all know what he provides for the pitchers as well as at the plate in the middle of the lineup so having him back is just massive you know you you kind of it makes you wonder I mean I don't think that this team would be good even if he would have started the season you know opening day but I think they would be better than they are definitely right now and we've seen probably would have seen a lot more competitive ball games
1: oh without a doubt you're sitting right now at 11 and 23 That's where the Royals are. Somehow, Jake, they're only six games out of first place behind Cleveland because I don't know if you saw saw this. Yeah, the entire AL Central is 500 or below. Cleveland is, I believe, what, 17 and 17. They're in first place at 500. Nobody would have imagined them struggling so much out of the gate, though they are getting a bit older and a bit injury prone, as we've talked about in the past. So maybe not super surprising. I think their window has passed as far as World Series contenders. Certainly, they'll most likely win this division. And getting the playoffs, but uh, you know, Jake, the Royals 11 and 23. You mentioned if Salvi had been here, you got to think the Royals have two or three more wins right now. And I know I get the whole wins above replacement. I get the whole you know a good manager or a bad manager can only lose a game or two, or a good catcher versus an average catcher might only be two or three wins. I get all this stuff, but when you look at all these one run losses the Royals had, and all these times they couldn't score a single run, and you know you just you just wonder having that Salvi in that cleanup spot, lengthening the lineup, having that extra power. You know, you you gotta feel like he's worth at least a win or two more if he's in there, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. He he's worth more than you know the stats could even show, just because of his leadership and just his presence in the lineup. I think other guys would have gotten pitched to differently. It lengthens the lineup out. There wouldn't have been all those automatic outs at the bottom of the order. Um, it, it just makes a massive difference. Even with the bullpen, I think he you know his presence would, in pitch calling and pitch selection. I think would have brought a lot more to the table as well. Yeah,
1: and, and the other race that we're looking at, of course, since we are in year one of a rebuild, as we detailed in-depth last Clubhouse Conversation dish, we won't talk about the rebuild too much this dish, but Jake, for the other race, the Royals are currently in fourth place for the number one overall draft pick next summer. Uh, Baltimore is 8-26, and 26, as is Cincinnati. So Baltimore and Cincinnati, 8-26, and 26, and the White Sox, 9-23. and 23. So the Royals... You know, a few games back, Jake of the the number one overall pick. We we kid here, kind of. We we don't want the Royals to be the worst team, really. But I mean, if they're going to be way under five hundred, I do want them to be the worst team. If we're being honest, if they're going to play competitive, let's play five hundred, have a fun summer. But if not. You know, let's, let's not create any false hope and, and not trade guys because we're in a wild card race. And let's keep you know remembering we're in year one of a rebuild. So we'll have fun here. We'll talk about the last week and look ahead to the next week in this edition of The Dish. Let's ditch the rebuild talk now until at least one more dish from now. So, Jake, we, we kick off a six-game road trip on Tuesday. The Royals off on Monday. Uh, three at Baltimore, who we just detailed, 8-26, an awful team. By the way, speaking of Baltimore, have you seen how god-awful Chris Davis is? What happened?
0: He strikes out just about every at-bat, it seems like.
1: What, did he get like a a, a buck-thirty or something with one home run? Is that what I saw?
0: Yeah, that team is is just miserable. I I figured they wouldn't be good this year, but I did not realize they were going to be tanking this badly.
1: Oh, yeah, because you I mean, you still got Machado. You've still got Adam Jones. Uh-huh. I know Adam Jones is not the same Adam Jones as a few years ago, but Machado is still one of the better young players in all of baseball. And, you know, you go up and down the lineup, and it just it doesn't seem like – I mean, even guys that you would expect to be halfway decent, like your Pedro Alvarez-type hitters – and Trey Mancini's and some of these guys just aren't getting it done this year. And it's never a good sign when you've got Craig Gentry or Anthony Santander hitting towards the, t- the top of the lineup. So that's that's never a good thing there. But the Royals have three at Baltimore and then three at Cleveland on this road trip, Jake. you got to believe three and three would be a successful road trip. You try to win two out of three in Baltimore and get at least one in Cleveland. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one road series the Royals I think definitely can win with this Baltimore team being so bad and you know, playing in such a small ballpark for once. You know, I think we could see some power from the Royals, and it would be nice to—it'd be nice to see them. You know, stay competitive this week and, and go three and three on this road trip.
1: Well, I want to start by talking about the starting pitching and Tuesday's game in particular. We'll see Danny Duffy on the hill, and just found out today that Danny Duffy will be working exclusively out of the stretch again on Tuesday. So, for those who didn't hear about this, um, pretty much throughout, you know. 2016 and 17 for the good majority of his success. He was working only out of the stretch, uh, because he believed he was tipping pitches, and then he thought he was tipping pitches out of the stretch. So he worked back to the windup, and you know now he's you know him and Caldro have decided that they're going to go back to the stretch. So Danny most likely will be working entirely out of the stretch in his next start on Tuesday night. I don't know if he's tipping pitches or not. I have no idea. I mean, the swing and misses are, are still there, but the hard contact is up about ten percent from where it's been throughout his career. Something like forty percent of balls are getting stung. Uh, hard contact versus upper 20s, low 30s in the past. So while he is striking guys out at a decent clip, the hard contact's up. What is going on with Duffy, Jake? I mean, do you buy the tipping pitches? Because he is striking guys out, and but they're hitting it hard. I mean, what do we think of this guy at this point?
0: I'm not sure. I mean, he's just, he just hasn't located well really all season, and I think that's been an issue for him. And um, I'll be interested to see him pitch exclusively out of the stretch because he was really effective in 2016 and the parts of last year where he Pitch directly out of that sometimes if you've got like a mechanical issue going on in the windup. Uh, going to the stretch and just doing a little bit less is maybe will affect him and make him a little bit better and may have a little more control because, yeah, he just has been up in the zone constantly this season.
1: Yeah, it's been frustrating to watch. You know, I think it's a bit unfair. I think, well, first of all, he en- en- endeared himself to Royals fans, you know, and as he should for being a huge Royals at heart. He wants to be buried a Royal. He doesn't want to be traded. We saw him go to bat and basically the were rumors about him being traded this spring. And he went on social media and said, heck no, I don't want this to happen. I don't know if that affected that or not or how real those things were. Usually, when there's smoke, there's fire. But who knows, um, Jake? And but you know, there's been some. I, I think, in a way, unfair expectations put on him, just as there was with Giordano Ventura when he was alive. I think people try to anoint him the savior, try to call them a number one. And you know, I, I, with Danny Duffy, we've never really seen for prolonged stretches. There's been a couple of good years where he's been good. I mean, coming into into this year, Jake, and at the end of last year, I always said Danny Duffy's a good number three starter. I thought he was a number three starter. There's nothing wrong with that. But the guy's 29, almost 30 years old now. So, he pretty much is what he is at this point, you know, down to the last two or three years of his quote unquote peak years, which is good because the Royals have him signed during that duration. And, and this year, I've kind of moved him back down to where I call him a really good number four now, Jake. I don't know that you can call him a good number three starter when you look across the league at some of these guys. We sent out a tweet, and, and again, it's a small sample size this year. He's blown a number of leads as ERA north of five. It's been frustrating. Uh, the contract is still okay if he's a number four starter, but not maybe quite as good as we were hoping if, if he was a number three Where do you call him? Am I being a little too harsh calling him a good number four? Do you still look at him as a three? Do you even think there's two potential? Where is your overall ceiling with him at this point?
0: I mean, yeah, the way he's pitched this year, he definitely looks like, you know, a good number four starter. I would say that's the way and I think we've seen his peak in 2016 where he looked like a good number two starter, but I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. I mean, he was dominant at the second part of 2016 and, um, you know, maybe again going to the stretch will help him, you know, keep the ball down in the zone a little bit more, but Really for me, it's just like his off-speed. He just doesn't have the good off-speed pitches that can put guys away. Uh, he strikes out a lot of guys with the fastball, so and that's you know you watch Jake Junis and you know he has the wipeout platter. Duffy just doesn't really have a pitch like that. It was you know I think we've just gotten to the point where we're kind of seeing he is what he is, and he's probably a number three or number four starter at this point in his career.
1: And it could even be. The very last year of that deal, you know, when the Royals are truly competing. I mean, Jake, it could even be a thing where, you know, God willing, we develop some starting pitching and get some back in trades and, and hit the lottery on some of these. Is it, could it even be a thing where he goes back to being a dominant back end bullpen guy someday? I mean, I, I know that's nowhere near, but I'm just saying a few years down the road, is that even a thing that could happen someday?
0: I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the Royals have some good young starting pitching that comes up over the next couple of years. I think it would probably just depend on. Um, you know, how he's performing as a starter. If he continues to struggle over the next two years and they've got some good young arms and they like and they want to put in the rotation, it wouldn't, you know, I don't think that would be the worst thing to maybe move him and say, okay, maybe you should focus on being a back-end, bullpen guy here for the rest of your career.
1: Yeah. Well, another lefty I want to talk about in the rotation staying there is Eric Skogland, who I think you and I, we a hundred percent sure he was destined for Omaha once Clay Buckholz was ready. That's a move that's happened since we last spoke here on the dish. Clubhouseconversation.com at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter. Jake is Clay Buckholz asked for his release on May first and got it as the Royals couldn't guarantee him a major league job. I was very Surprise! I mean, he wasn't striking guys out. The walks were up. I mean, I'm not saying he would have had great success in the major leagues, but knowing that Scoglin has all the options and he's not exactly, you know, a cornerstone of your future plans, I was very surprised. You know, Scoglin's been better though. I'll say that. I mean, he's been missing bats the last couple times out there. Some balls are, are still getting stung. I think he'll give up his fair share of hits, but if he can keep the ball in the ballpark and not, you know, wipe, you know, walk guys, I think he might end up being kind of okay, kind of like the lefty we saw today uh, for the Tigers. What are your thoughts on Scoglin?
0: Well, I was I was in the same boat as you, where I was fully expecting his you know last start to be that one I believe it was against the White Sox uh, last weekend, right? Yep. When he was just dominant. Yep. And I was I was fully expecting him to struggle in that start and then be sent down and Buckles to be up May first, but he came out and was dominant. I, I, have, I have to think that part of the decision to let Clay Buckles go was that Eric Stoolman had earned himself a couple more starts for now at the big league level. I mean he. He looks like, you know, we both agreed that we thought he was a 4A guy coming into the season, and I think that's still to to be determined depending on how he pitches this year. But he was so good in that start against the White Sox that I think, you know, we all need to see how he can pitch for a full season. Maybe not a full season, but at least, you know, a couple more months of him to see what he can do as a starter and if he can be consistent.
1: Yeah. Well, what were your thoughts? You know, we didn't talk about this yet because we haven't spoken since then. Any thoughts? Did you get to watch that Trevor Oak start? Any thoughts on Oaks?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I thought he was okay. He was he was up in the zone, which, you know, he's a sinker baller, so that's not usually a good thing when you're up in the zone. Um, you know, I th- th- saw some good things, and I think he's a guy who, you know, as he gets more experience, is going to be better. But it, it was just a start where I, I think the nerves are probably there. And um, it didn't
1: it. Yeah, he, he, he started well in that game with some strikeouts, I think three or four in the first two innings, and then they, they nickel mm-hmm. and dimed him to death. Um, With hard hit balls after that. So he's back down in Omaha. I'm a bit concerned, Jake. He's not missing bats in Omaha. You know, his strikeout numbers aren't there. This is off the top. I'm going to totally, brutally mess this up, but it was something like 18 Ks in 27 innings when I was looking earlier or something. So the Ks aren't there in Omaha, which you never like to see. But a guy that I'm still very excited about. uh, Same with Scott Barlow, who we've seen a very small amount of. Now, the right hander's in the rotation. Jason Hamill's been Jason Hamill. No need to really discuss him at this point. Um, I do think uh, the two guys we got to talk about, let's we'll start with Jake Junis, who pitched today, obviously. Seven-plus, terrific inning, struck out eight. Uh, pl- just looked great, Jake. I mean, really, outside of about one start this year, he's been phenomenal. It was that one start where he gave up five of the six hits for home runs. <laughs> but what what are your thoughts on Junis? I mean, he, I guess he's progressing just as you and I pretty much talked about before the year, right?
0: Yeah, he's, he's been as advertised this year and even better. I mean, he... His slider is just fantastic. He's locating the fastball well. Um, he, he's been terrific all season long, I and mean, he has absolutely owned the Tigers now all three times he's faced them this season. Yeah. Um, and, again, today, yeah, the, the slider, He yeah, had the slider working. And the only the only issue he's really had has been the long ball. I mean, pretty much like, a good amount of his runs that he's given up this season have been on the homer, and it's they've almost all been on hanging sliders. So I think that's the only time he gets himself in trouble, But he's been so consistent enough where, you know, a lot of those have been solo shots. Guys aren't getting on base hardly at all on him. And he's, you know, he's in a groove out there. I like the way he pitches pretty quickly and uh, his confidence level is really high right
1: now. He's smart, too, and having Salvia, of course, helps. You know, the first-pitch fastball was crushed by John Hicks today. Next time up, secondary pitch, big swing and a miss, the next A.B. That's adjusting. It's also Salvia back there behind the plate. But, yeah, I've been very impressed with Jake Judas so far this year outside of the home run bug at times. Uh, if he can continue to miss bats, Jake, he's going to be very, very exciting to watch with that wipeout slider and the ability to, to miss barrels when he's not even missing bats. Now, the other guy is Ian Kennedy, And, of course, again, same thing. Really one bad start where he got, you know, hit in the leg and then gave up a three-run shot right after that, and that was it after three innings, you know, three starts ago. But otherwise, Ian Kennedy, the last couple starts, been striking guys out again, been giving you your six or seven innings. Um, You know, you you, you expect from Ian Kennedy close to 200 innings and an ERA around four, uh, low fours if things are going well. And a guy, Jake, I mean, the contract, some people will say the contract is still quite a bit. Is this a guy... That come the trade deadline, if he's got two and a half years left in his deal, no one gets a pretty big deal. Is he still attractive to some of these teams or do you think he's here for the long haul?
0: That's a good question. I've been thinking about that as well. Um, you know, starting pitching is such a premium these days if he continues to put up these numbers and has two good more months, I I feel like there's teams out there that would consider him and take a look at him because his stuff is as good as it's been in years this season. I mean, I think he's, I mean, again, we've talked about this earlier in the season. He's actually healthy this year, and he looks healthy. And he's got, you know, great movement on his pitches. His off-speed stuff's great. He's painting both sides of the plate. Um, He's in a really good groove right now. And I I think he definitely could have draw some interest from maybe one of the bigger market teams come the deadline. If there's somebody who's really in a need or has a big injury or something, it wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: That may be a thing, too, where the Royals probably would not get a great prospect back for Kennedy, knowing the contract. It may be a thing where they almost have to give him away just to clear the payroll at that point, Uh get something small back unless they package it. But meanwhile, Herrera or Moose should get you at least one pretty good prospect apiece, considering that they're basically free when you look at their contracts on one year deals. Now, Jake, before we get into the bullpen, we talked about the trade deadline and a right handed starter, and I couldn't help. But get angry right now thinking about this. I, I didn't even want to talk about this, Jake. I didn't put it on my notes. Did you see? Get ready to beat your head against the wall. Do you, do you know where I'm going with this? What happened last night?
0: <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> with,
1: with Trevor Cahill striking out 12
0: hitters? Where the
1: <laughs> hell was that for us? He struck out 12 hitters last night.
0: I, I'd, I'd seen his numbers actually before last night started. He had been pretty solid this year. I, I don't uh. know. I, I don't know if he was. Hurt
1: last year when we had him, or what? He was terrible with us. Oh, we read about like the third best spin rate on the curveball in baseball. He was just a debacle. Maurer's been even worse than that. The Royals, of course, have gotten. Bookter was okay, but the Royals flipped him, um, you know, as part of that three-team trade. But you know, Jake, when you look at we give up, you know, some of the the young shortstop was a Story Ruiz. I think mm-hmm. his name was as like the number eleven prospect now for the Padres, and of course they have Matt Strom. So. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that trade. I, I just, oh, goodness. I, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was only Cahill's third start of the year, so it's not a huge sample. But you're right. His first two coming in, he had like a two ERA. He throws, I think it was eight shutout innings with, with 12 Ks against Baltimore last night. Oh, man, that just, I, I just saw that and was just yeah. like, are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. So the bullpen has really settled down, Jake. And we got to give a tip of the cap. A a guy that I didn't think would still be here. We talked in the last podcast about, all jokes aside, he really did possibly save lives. With that team bus in Toronto. So, you know, seriously, that was impressive by Boyer and Butera to help, you know, calm the bus driver and get the bus to a safe place. I mean, you all know the story by now. But we talked at that time how, you know, on a serious note, that was amazing he did that. But on a professional note, he hadn't been pitching real well. We didn't suspect he might be here the next time we did a podcast. But I got to tell you, Jake, sitting behind home, played a couple of times with the K since then and seeing Blaine Boyer throw. The fastball's got life on it again. It's like all of a sudden it has tail on it, and, and he looks pretty good. I mean, he got roughed up for a run or two his last you know last last start or last appearance, I think it was. Was it two runs he gave up or one? I think it was, I don't know, whatever. He got roughed up a bit, but he's been, he looked a lot better, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, he's been a lot better in the credits than that and the coaching staff or whatever they did. They, maybe they made a mechanical tweak with him. I'm not sure, but, yeah, he's, they continue to trust him in situations, and he's been performing as of late.
1: Yeah, I mean it's good to see. So hopefully he's able to stick it out this year. By all accounts, a great guy. Who knows, Jake? I mean, maybe he. You know, these are the kind of guys. Remember back in 2003 when the Royals went out and and uh, traded for Graham Lloyd and Al Levine and you know some of these other relievers. You never know if someone like that does really well, who might need a middle reliever. Probably not going to get much, but maybe you can get another Paulo Orlando type. Remember he got Paulo Orlando for, um, Horacio Ramirez. So, you know, so you never know. Right. never know who you could get that might be a useful piece on a on the next wave. Of uh, Royals baseball coming up here, Calvin Herrera looks like his old self, Jake. The best he's looked in two years, dare I say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his stuff's just been filthy. He's been locked down. Other than the, giving you know, up what one run and that that home run to to Nunez was it? Yeah, the other night in Boston. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, he's been yeah, his life on his fastball and his off speed stuff. He's been you know as good as we've seen him since probably 2015.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Kevin McCarthy, nobody ever talks about. It. And, and there is maybe a little bit of luck there. The ball's been getting squared up pretty good against him. And, and I know ERA is an overrated stat for a reliever based on inherited runners and situations. But a 203 ERA over 13 and a third is impressive for McCarthy. He continues to to look really good up there, you know, as a solid middle relief guy that hopefully can stick around for several years with the Royals. I know you and I are both excited uh, about a guy, uh, Jason Adam, I know really well. I'm glad that he's up here in Kansas City. How exciting was that man getting to see him pitch out there at the K after all he's been through what a story right
0: yeah that was that was one of the best moments of the season last night seeing his family up in the suite watching him make his debut on you know you could tell the nerves were there you know he walked first hittery he faced but then got that key strike out and to strike him out throw him out there um it, it's a really cool story to see a Kansas City kid you know who was in the organization came up with us got traded away for Josh Willingham and now is back and making his debut with us it's pretty cool and he's got some electric stuff out there i'm excited to see him in some more uh crucial situations moving forward
1: yeah josh willingham who had maybe the most forgotten but maybe the key hit of the wild card game if you go back uh, and watch that one just like the eighth inning in houston when the royals came back from down four drew butera had the key at bat that walk of that inning that nobody talks about jake but i digress but anyway offensively Uh, a couple of guys, you know, there's been some positives. A couple of guys have been disappointing, but it's early. Let's emphasize that these are both veteran guys. I both, ex- you know, expect them both to get better. John Jay and Lucas Duda. You know, Jay comes in with a 661 OPS. Duda even worse. It's 651. I know OPS is not the end all be all stat, but I still think it's very useful and, and basically, you know, you, doing a basic evaluation of players. And it's very early in the season. But your thoughts on those two? I, I think they've both been kind of disappointing so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the first couple of weeks John Jay was one of the only guys who was getting on base, and now since the rest of the lineup kind of heated up, he's really, really cooled off. And, um, you know, it, it, I think he's just kind of going through a slump right now. It'll be interesting to see whether he can get it back together as they've moved him down in the order. And same with Lucas Duda. I mean, you know, he's he struggled at the plate, and I, I don't know what to expect from him. He's basically not getting starts hardly at all against lefties. Um which is pro- probably for the best right now. But, yeah, both guys have been disappointing so far this year, and uh, hopefully hopefully at least one of them, Duda or Jay, can get it going because, again, they're two pieces that you'd like to flip at the deadline, and right now they're not really worth much
1: at all. Yeah, they're definite pieces you'd like to move because you wanna you know get some more prospects in your system, A, but get some of the guys like Ryan O'Hearn or Frank Schwindel a chance, Hunter Dozier, some of these, you know, names down Donnie DeWeese, Outside Chance, Bubba Starling, some of these guys that you might see in, in the outfield first base discussion. Um, come later in the summer. Witt Merrifield, three stolen bases as they do the tribute to Cool Papa Bell today in those awesome uniforms. By the way, he looked—I mean, not to sound like a man crushing here, Jake—but Witt looked damn good in that old school Monarchs jersey today. Did you see him running around the bases, man?
0: Yeah, it was awesome seeing him do that today in the Monarchs jersey. Was pretty cool and uh, reminded me a little bit more we saw what we saw from Witt last year. Kind of, you know, just getting on base and, and taking matters into his own hands. So, uh, you know, I know the average is not where it was last year for Witt, but he's still – I feel like he's had a lot of bad luck also early on in the season.
1: Yeah, he has. He has. I think the cold weather it was tough on all of them. The, the not playing every day was tough on all of them. And just a slow start, it kind of gets snowballed and magnified when it's the first few weeks of the season. It's still amazing how many games we have left in this year, too, by the way, man. Man, it's a <laughs> long summer. So the last two guys I wanted to talk about um, on this dish, Jorge Soler. Can we talk enough about – this guy's like a legitimate top 10 hitter in the AL. The first month of the season, Jake, 920 OPS so far, but what I really want to talk about as part of that stat, yes, he's driving the baseball more than we've seen in the past. The home runs are going to come even more. He's, that you see that ball he hit by the way Friday night to the fence like at 100 and 10 miles an hour or whatever it was. He smoked a ball. I mean, he's been – talking about a guy that's had bad luck. He's been near another two or three home runs. So I suspect we're going to see 23, 26, 27 home runs possibly this year out of Solaire when he gets going. He hits him in bunces when he gets going. but So the slugging I'm talking about has been good. But the 415 on base, a guy that you look back at the back of his baseball card and he's sitting in the low 300s, maybe a mid 300. Again, not a ton of a batch in the major leagues. I get that. But – a guy that's just commanding the strike zone and, and watching video, putting in that prep, I mean, you've got to be shocked, A, with the patience and, and B, with the defense too, right? Just the shock all around in a good way, right?
0: Yeah, it's been so impressive. And, you know, he worked hard in the offseason. He cut down his weight, and he was working with a hitting coach. And I think one of the big things he was working on was identifying balls and strikes better and trying to be more selective. And, you know, he's been it's been incredible to see him at the plate. He's like a completely different guy this season. Yeah. He's, Taking pitches, working the count really well, not swinging at anything out of the zone. He's getting his pitches. Pitchers keep making mistakes, and he is just roping the ball. I mean, the velocity coming off the off the bat for him—it's it has got to be one of the highest in the league right now because he is just smoking everything that he hits.
1: It actually is top five. I read that somewhere, at least as of a few days ago. Uh, the exit velocity has been fantastic. You you almost wonder if. I, you know, I know Alex Gordon is a big fan of his, and, and they've become de- decently close. You almost wonder if he's. It's to me, it's almost watching his at bats. Jake reminds me of Alex Gordon at bats, especially in the past. Like he goes up there with a plan. He knows what's coming. He kind of knows what he wants to do in the particular bat. You don't see, and there was the Friday night game. We saw him. Trying to pull breaking pitches low and away over and over, it took about three at bats to adjust. So there are times where he's not adjusting in the first at bat. I mean, the great hitters, you know, Jake. The difference between the good and the great ones is the great ones can adjust during an at bat versus in a bat or two or game or two later. But you know, so he didn't adjust right away on Friday night to those sliders and curves and whatever. I think it was a slider the guy was throwing uh, Zimmerman on, on on Friday night. But mm-hmm. um, but you, but you know, overall, I feel like he goes to the plate. He's not. Springing out of his shoes anymore. He has a plan. He kind of is looking for a pitch. He's not afraid. You know, remember Alex Gordon, he, he, now to a degree too, but even in his peak years, remember how he would, sometimes people would get so mad because he would take a fastball down the middle, but it was like he was always looking for a pitch. He wasn't going to get himself out. He kind of said, hey, if he throws me this certain pitch in this location, I'm probably out, but if he throws me this two-thirds of the plate, I'll either walk or I'll foul it off or get a hit. Like, Don't you feel like he has like, a, like an Alex Gordon type approach right now the way he's been locked in the first month?
0: Yeah, he definitely does. He's got a plan, and he just constantly has been getting himself into favorable accounts um, every single time he comes to the plate right now, which is the big reason why he's having so much success. He's not biting on the breaking balls that are low and away, and he keeps getting pitch, You know, manageable pitches to hit. Yeah, he's just he's a smart hitter right now, and, and he knows what he's doing up there, and he's got such long arms that he can really cover the entire plate, too, when it's in the zone. So it, it's been really impressive to see.
1: It was almost like, too, that he became officially – part of the Royals on Friday night, right? He drives in the the, the, the game-winning hit there to, to knock in the two runs and then makes a sliding catch and has the big smile after the game, and the fans seemed endeared to him for the first time, Jake. Did, did it almost feel like it was like a welcome party, like a coming-out party for him and KC as, as an official member of the Royals family?
0: Oh, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Seeing him, you know, deliver with the game-winning hit and then make that really, really nice sliding catch in right field up against the, the wall in foul territory was just awesome. Yeah, seeing the fans cheer for him, I mean, it, it, it's impressive just to see how hard his his work in the offseason is paying off right now.
1: Speaking of nice plays in right field, the ball boy had a nice play out there. <laughs> In right, field. That was a nice pickup on that. that—that that was I mean, that's a pretty good exit velo on that ground ball, didn't it? The double there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he handed it off and didn't realize, I don't think, for about another five seconds that it was a fair uh, ball.
1: Remember? <laughs> remember, Was it against the Blue Jays? I forget who it was against. Remember, like, four years ago when there was the the foul ball that was going to be caught by the right fielder and, and the ball boy just made the catch on it? <laughs> but he wasn't even, like, on the warning track. Wasn't he, like, on the grass when he made the play?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, that stuff cracked me up. When it <laughs> that was the That's best. Great. Like he totally
1: <laughs> forgot where he was. I'm like, dude, you can't walk like on the playing field and make the catch get <laughs> Oh goodness. Well, last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, mentioned him a second ago. Alex Gore and Jake came I in again. I get it. You know, small sample size. What's he in like what eight or nine games since he's coming back? And I, you know, it's a batting average. We don't look at batting average in 2018. The 300 is nice though. But I mean, you look at it. He's got a couple home runs. He's hitting the ball with authority. The hard contacts. The best it's been in three or four years. Again, I get it. Small sample size. But uh, is this for real? Uh, I, I think we probably both agree it's probably not going to be, you know, the Alex Gordon of three, four years ago. We're probably not going to see 20 home runs and the numbers we saw before where he's one of the most valuable players in baseball as evidenced by the war stat. But I mean, I, do we think maybe it's it's real enough as in he could hit a dozen home runs and, and, you know, hit 265, 270. I mean, is this semi real, Jake? What do you think?
0: I, I think so. It, it could be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he's, He's been so hot since he came off the DL. Um, and I think early in the season, guys were just doing whatever they wanted with him when he was at the plate. He he wasn't taking any pitches away. Uh, he wasn't able to drive anything to left field. And then when they would jam him inside, he couldn't get the bat head out in time. So I, I feel like his bat looks a lot quicker right now. He's starting to turn on those types of pitches again. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see once guys figure out, okay, maybe we need to go you know, stick to the outside part of the plate and make him take the ball the opposite field, whether he's able to adjust and do that or not. So, well, they all say. I
1: think. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say the, the good hitters too, Jake. As you know, playing college baseball is, you know, you kind of react to the inner half and drive it right. It's it's when you start thinking away and focus on taking that ball where it's pitched. Where you know you automatically will pull the ball if you need to, right? Maybe that's maybe being being willing to take the ball to left field this year, as Gordon has been starting to do, is allowing him to pull the ball better. Do you buy that at all?
0: Oh, I absolutely do. Yeah, and that's he needs to continue to to look up the middle and to opposite field because that's that's where guys are going to continue to try to pitch him. And and you know he's got to trust himself. He just it looked like I don't know what it was, but his hands he just could not get around on anything early in the season. And finally, that bat speed looks to be there when he's getting those pitches out over the plate and inside. He's able to finally drive them with authority. As long as he continues, you know, to, to look up the middle in a way, I, I think we're gonna see good things from him.
1: And I'm not this is also this is also just I haven't even looked at the numbers, Jake, on this one, so I'm about to make a comparison that don't laugh at me if I'm way off. I think my eyes tell me, my eyes and knowledge tell me this is this is a semi decent comparison. Remember how Nick Markakis kind of took a step back and had like no power a couple years ago. Like hit like four home runs or something, and then people thought he was done. And then now he's stinging the ball again and clean up in that potent top ten Atlanta offense. And, and I'm not saying Alex Gordon is the same player as Nick Markakis, but do you do you kind of see like maybe maybe Gordon could you know channel his inner Nick Markakis and break out a bit. Kind of you know drink some of the old juice he used to be on there.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, and again, Markakis is an interesting comparison. Because Marquez, what this year when he first year series with the Braves, he hit I think only a few home runs. All of a sudden, after being in Baltimore, yeah, and a lot of people were wondering what was going on. I, I think his average was still okay, but there was just no power at all. And uh, who knows if it was an injury or what it was if he was just struggling. But I think I think Alex, um, I th- I think. It'll be interesting just to see what he can do if he's healthy right now, and that's what I'm hoping is that he's just completely healthy and that has something to do with the bat speed finally coming back. Or maybe it's just that he refused to go the other way the last couple years. But I think, again, as long as he sticks to that up-the-middle approach, I think uh, that that's going to be the key for him.
1: I agree, and it it's good seeing him having success. It's good seeing some nice stories. Your Jason Adams and your Alex Gordon and some of these guys. You know, last year that Scoglin started. It's cool seeing some of these things happen that make a baseball season special, even if it is, low, you know, most likely a rebuilding year. But hey, Jake, we're only six out of out of the division, we shouldn't be talking rebuilding. We got you know plenty of plenty of uh, dishes in June, July, August, September. We can talk about that, right? So we're competing, right? We're only six out, right? Yep, hey,
0: we're right there. I, I was. Shocked when I saw that we only <laughs> took when I saw the end of the Indians game, so you know it makes it for where is still interesting. You know, it, it could be much worse right now. I'm glad the team has started playing competitively because I know when they were five and twenty, I was, you know, again just staring at minor league numbers every day. And Now I'm kind of finding myself back, to, you know, on the major league team, seeing what we can do to stay competitive the rest of the way.
1: Absolutely. Well, Jake, anything else to add? We need to, uh, next week, why don't we get together next Sunday night again, a week from now, and do this. Should we throw out some questions next week on Twitter?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Let people ask what they want to ask, and we'll ask a couple questions to get your opinion on and report back here on your dish. It's Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you were able, by the way, to listen to the Ryan O'Hearn interview recently we've done, Nikki Lopez. We've had Matt Winters and Rick Lucan from the 89 Royals on. Lots of great interviews coming up here on Clubhouse Conversation during the season and, and weekly uh, you know, dishes with myself, Davo, and Jake Lutz. Jake, have a great week. Hopefully the Royals will uh, as well, and we'll talk to you next Sunday, okay? Yep, sounds good. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Go Royals.